Faith here with a welcome toast. If you like to eat, drink, and be merry, you're in the right place. Toady Field said, I've been on a diet for two weeks, and all I've lost is two weeks. Explore the richness of life with us, and feel free to consume this podcast in one bite, two bites, or oops, I ate the whole thing. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, the place to have a good time. An exciting lineup for you on this show, our chili party. We have the best chili. It's meatless and nobody knows. Wait until you hear about our cocktail to pair with that chili, a hickory-smoked Manhattan. Yes, anybody can make that at home. We also have a perfect wine for chili, a surprising white, not red, and we'll tell you why. All I know is that it's delicious no matter what you eat with it. All that is lined up for you and just ahead. My treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, bartender Anthony Desario. It's our chili party. All right. We are telling you how to make some great ones with or without beef. There's even one with lobster. And you can find the recipes, as I said, at foodschmooze.org right now. Make this in one pot, including a slow cooker. Put out toppings Uh, and chips. You're all set. I mean, think about this everybody. You can smell that seductive aroma the minute you walk in the door. Then you see it in the pot bubbling away. Chili, don't you think chili like pizza is one of the all-time great crowd pleasers? It's American food. It's become our dish. A lot of dishes that came here from other places. I think chili's really one that... It's not Mexican? It has its origins in Mexican, but it really is. We've taken what they've done and changed it and sort of made it our own. I always think like cowboys eating it on the tin plate on the (laughs) prairie. We have one of the chili kings in the country from Houston joining us, Rob Walsh, in just a minute or so. So this is going to be exciting. Anthony, you're going to hear some things that are going to be inspiring for cocktails. Oh, boy. (laughs) Get ready. (laughs) One of the best chilies I have had in a long time. It is Chris Prosperi's chili. And this is Fulham chili. And by that that I mean (laughs) it is vegetarian chili, and it has chunks of butternut squash in it. And that feels meaty, and I defy you to tell that there is no meat in this oh, chili. There is such a – even like there's like a beef background to it. So yeah, I'm calling it a chili con calabaza instead of chili <laughs> con carne. It's no, calabaza uh, squash, squash in yeah. Spanish. <laughs> so, so Chris has a beautiful spice mixture that he puts in this that is oh so gosh. readily available, these ingredients. But it wasn't spicy. It wasn't hot. Yeah, I don't make my chilies hot, and that's another question I have. Are they supposed to – to be burning hot because I've had some that are burning hot and I've had some that have very little heat. Well, this is interesting when you use that term supposed to. Mm-hmm. I don't think things are supposed to be something if it's not to your taste. Yeah. So maybe in this modern age, yeah. what we're figuring out is mm-hmm. that we can adjust these things to suit our own palates, but we refer to the classics when we want to. All right, we're going to go to Rob Walsh, who is author of The Chili Cookbook. I'm in love with this book. Well, I'm here to facilitate your uh, relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Let's point out that you have a little box in here about making chili in the slow cooker. And so you tell us which of the recipes in your book can be done that way. You list the top five chili powders. And on here, I was so glad to see this, is McCormick's dark chili powder. 
so that if people want to get something easily in a supermarket, there that is. Your number one is Gebhardt's Classic Ancho Flavors. This has a little sweetness. Gebhardt, G-E-B-H-A-R-D-T. We have these listed online. Gebhardt is the most historic chili powder, and it was really created by a German immigrant who was imitating the powdered paprikas of Middle Europe. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. It all comes from somewhere. So Gebhardt, number one, and number two would be Bolner's Fiesta Fancy Light Chili Powder. Where do you get that? That's a San Antonio company, so we get that in Texas. It's probably a regional variation. But, you know, Williams is a Midwestern chili powder, which is is really very good. And then we've got Adams. Well, Adams is made in, in Austin, but I believe it's national. But McCormick dark chili powder, which is made with anchos and is a premium version of their regular chili powder, is just wonderful. So these were the top five in a taste test that I did with some chili-loving friends, and uh, we tasted a whole bunch of chili powders, and these were our top five. Chris Prosperi. I have a question about chili powder because you can have ancho chili powder, Uh and then you can have chili powder. What is chili powder? Like ancho chili powder is chili powder, but the chili powder we use in making chili is a blend, right? Right. It's a patent spice mix. So when William Gebhardt first dried and toasted and ground ancho chilies and put them in a bottle he didn't want to create a generic blend he wanted to patent a spice blend so he added a little cumin Hmm. and mexican oregano which are the other ingredients that are most commonly used in texas chili and that became a secret recipe that he could patent so your homemade chili powder in the book involves toasting some chilies and cumin seeds in the kitchen and then grinding them in a spice grinder, a coffee grinder is what I use. And you say it makes the best chili powder of all. So your recipe is five whole dried ancho chilies. We have this online. Some toasted cumin seeds. You can toast them right in a skillet, in a dry skillet. Some dried Mexican oregano. If you can find it, you could use regular oregano, not the same. You can. Mexican oregano is from a different family of plants. But uh, if you can't find it, then you can use uh, Greek oregano. And some garlic powder. And you can store that in an airtight container until you're ready to dive into your favorite chili recipe. We have Chris Prosperis. We're going to talk about that. And we've got... I think the one in your book, we have it online. I'm very excited about that. This is from your cafe, El Real Tex-Mex in Houston. Let's start there. That's a favorite chili recipe because it starts with bacon. And uh, you use the bacon grease as the oil to sear the beef. We use like half-inch cubed beef chuck. Here in Texas, we go to the butcher and say, give me some chili grind. And they grind the beef with a half-inch plate instead of the usual ground meat plate, and you get a coarse ground beef chuck, which is perfect for chili. Um, wow. So to wow. that— It's a uh, Texas thing, I'm guessing. I guess. <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually, when I was writing the book, uh, my copy editor was in New England, and she said, well, you can't get this here. And so I called a couple of butchers in New Hampshire and Boston, and I said, do you have a half-inch plate? And they said, yeah. I said, can you grind beef on it? And they said, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's just, it's that complicated, okay? Ask the butcher to grind some beef on a half-inch plate. And what difference does that make? Well, you get 
little chunks of beef which mm. have some texture instead of regular hamburger meat. The classic, uh, the chili cook-off competitors chop beef chuck into pieces. The usual formula is you want pieces no bigger than the last joint of your little finger. Wow. <laughs> Such an exact science there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I bet you my little finger is uh, fatter than yours is today. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so is this happening to any of you? My mouth is starting to uh-huh. water. I'm hungry again. We just had chili that Chris made. It is to die for, and it's a vegetarian chili that fools you. You mm-hmm. think there's meat in it, so we're, we're going to talk about that too. But I am listening to you talk about this. I just want to go home and make chili and put containers of it in my freezer. Does chili get better if it's been sitting in a freezer, or do the spices change? There's kind of a tradition that chili uh, that's kept in the refrigerator for up to three or four days actually tastes better than yep. it does. Oh, I'll okay. definitely agree with that. Like yeah, my mother makes a homemade lasagna. chili. I don't know what she puts in it. It's one of my favorite dishes that she makes, and she just makes a huge pot of it. Her and my dad each have a bowl, and then the pot goes in the refrigerator, and I will just eat that every day until that pot is empty. And it just gets better and better and better each day. My wife draws the line after four days. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's Anthony Desario, our cocktail contributor. And he has created a cocktail, which is a hickory smoked Manhattan just to match your chili recipes. And it is phenomenal. We're going to be talking about that too, Rob. Let's come back to your El Real chili con carne. You made some bacon till it was crisp, set it aside, and then browned the beef in the bacon drippings. Then you set the meat aside. You sauteed some onions and a little bit of the dripping still in the pan until they get brown. And then here comes the spice mix, which is toasted cumin, chili powder, paprika, oregano, black pepper, thyme, salt, and garlic. Mm -hmm. You toss that into the onions and sauteed that for a little bit. Is this what's called layering? To some extent, but you know, if you look at, I think it's Bob Plager's $25,000 chili in the chili cook-off section, you'll notice that it calls for first spices, second spices, and third spices. Now talk about layering. And this guy won 25 grand for this chili, so you know, you got to take him (laughs) seriously. There must be something to it. I remember Paul Prudhomme used to say that you put onions and green peppers and uh, carrots into the recipe early, and then uh, he would put more of them in a second time because he said, you know, the ones you put in early have just turned into part of the base of the sauce. The ones you put in later retain a little bit of their texture. So, you know, it's the same ingredient added at a different stage of the cooking process completely changes the flavor. So obviously this recipe has got a lot of layering in it. Um, Our, you know, I think our El Real recipe has got a pleasant variety it's, of it's more doable flavor. yes yeah, all right it's a lot it's more like you know i'm going to make this before the football game you know <laughs> yeah so this is rob walsh and he is co-owner of el real tex-mex cafe in houston and author of this book the chili cookbook he is a man 
associated with food ways. He really knows chili and tacos, by the way. So we're just talking with him about his El Royale chili con carne. And I think I had you at sauteing the onions after all these seeds and spices went in. And now here comes the bacon. And you add a little beef broth for that richness and some water and tomatoes, the ancho chilies and the beef. And then you're simmering it so that it reduces. Is that the idea? Yes, that's the idea. And that's, of course, you know, where the crock pot also comes in because you can put it there and let it simmer and, mm. you know, not worry about it, not have to worry about stirring or if it's going to burn. or. So you could do these things we just described in your skillet and then into the slow cooker it goes Right. And, and there you go. One more word about making your own chili powder. You know, a, a friend of mine who wrote an Indian cookbook did a little demonstration for me at home. And one thing she said is, take the step of toasting the seeds mm. and the cardamom and the... Uh, like in India. Yeah, and all of the other, the coriander seeds and the cumin seeds, and then grind them fresh. Because that masala that you make with freshly toasted ingredients is just bursting with flavor it's just you know the aroma just fills the whole kitchen whereas if you pick up a bottle of masala garam masala from the from the spice rack at the food store it's a pale imitation of, you know so it's the same thing with chili powder i mean bottled chili powders are fine but until you toast all those things fresh and make it in your own kitchen for the first time and it's it's that same sort of revelation that fresh toasted seeds in an Indian masala give you. There's a, a restaurant in New Haven called Tali, T-H-A-L-I. Oh, yeah. And the chef, Prasad Chernumala, is from India and opened this restaurant. This is a very high-level Indian cuisine. Amazing people from India fly here to eat this man's food. And he does this. This is how I learned about this, too, Rob, where he toasts everything beforehand. And the difference is unbelievable. I mean, wow. to have potatoes that have all these toasted, carefully hand-toasted spices in them. It's mm -hmm. a revelation. You've never had Indian food yeah. like this. Well, I love this. We posted this for our Super Bowl folks, anybody who just wants to have a weekend party, this El Royale chili con carne of yours. And we're going to next go to Chris Prosperi about his recipe. And Rob, I'd love to get your comments on this too as you hear this going by. And then we're going to talk about the cocktail and more of your recipes in this cookbook as you walk us through different cultures. We'll talk about this lobster chili that you have, Polly Bergen's chili. That amused me because she has a place in Connecticut. So I said, well, we kind of claim her partly. Rob Walsh, the chili cookbook. We've got recipes coming up for you and everything is online. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org with our curated food, wine, and cocktails. We'll be right back. His job to offer battle to bad men near and far. He conquered fear and he conquered hate. He turned dark night into day. 
Okay, that was your first bite of the Food Schmooze party with another bite on the way, so we'll make this fast. You won't miss a drop of pleasure if you sign on once for our free podcast at foodschmooze.org. Then we'll send it to you every week. In case you're new, you can also listen to this show on WNPR every Thursday afternoon at 3 and Saturdays at noon. What makes me happy is sharing the discovery of something great with you. So party with me and the gang at our new website where you'll find some of my favorite easy, I have to say, wildly delicious recipes, wine, cocktails, and two-minute videos like Jacques Pepin with a sword. And yes, we used a construction drill to see how fast we could peel an apple. Here's your second bite. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'm Faith Middleton, and we have a free podcast for you, meaning you'll never miss a drop of pleasure. Just sign up for it once at our site, and we'll automatically send our show to you every week so you can listen on your schedule. Also discover our delicious curated food, wine, events, cocktails, recommendations. I love talking with you, so stop by often and say hi to me and the gang. We are always online at foodschmooze, like school, S-C-H, foodschmooze.org. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province, our cocktail guy, Anthony Desario, who is a Connecticut bartender, and our special guest is Rob Walsh. It is a pleasure to have him. I love his cookbook. It is called The Chili Cookbook. He's Skyping us from Houston, where he is co-owner of El Real Tex-Mex Cafe, and this book is filled with chili recipes, the history of chili. It really is so convincing about why it is great to serve this comfort food, this one-pot dish, whether you you're doing it in a slow cooker or you've got it in the oven, different ways to different recipes, no matter how you do it. Oh, this has really turned me on to chili in a new way. Okay, Chris Prosperi, we just ate your dish, and it is one of the best chilies I have had. Vegetarian also. chili. So and good. it's so tricky. Oh, come on. I was vegetarian. Right? You, it is so it. fools you because of that butternut squash. So let me just run through what's in here. Some white onion, butternut squash chili powder, cumin, granulated onion powder, granulated garlic powder, chopped tomatoes, beer, low-sodium vegetable stock, the beans of your choice could be red, could be white, then chopped cilantro or scallions on the top, some kosher salt, anything else you want to add on top as you're having a little bit of a party, make it your own. Okay, Chris, tell us how this comes together. Yeah. That squash is the secret thing And that's thing here. the thing. You know, and I've had vegetable chilies before, and I've had vegetable chilies with lots of different vegetables in it. Mm-hmm. But not until I had one with butternut squash. And I've also done it with either pumpkin or basically any of the really firm autumn squash that we get around here. Any of those work really well in that. And it does. It gives you that kind of mouthfeel and texture of 
of like braised beef. Yeah. It does. There's something not the resistant chew. Mm. The meatiness but the way it, to it falls apart too in strands, right? When you mm. look at pumpkin and butternut squash, when it, when it cooks and it braises, it does sort of break apart like little chunks of beef would. You put your own chili powder in here and yeah. you've graciously given us your little chili combination and I love that. So some ancho chili powder, cumin, ground cumin, ground coriander, oregano, paprika, and a little bit of cocoa powder. And we have that online too. And, Go ahead. and like you said, if you want to step it up and use whole seed and toast it, that's going to make this even better. Right? Because that is a great tip that he yeah. gave you. Okay, right? so let's imagine, and you can do this one in the slow cooker, which I love. Cool. So take us through to the part where it goes into the slow cooker. <laughs> How does it start right. out? Go so ahead. sauteing some onions, real simple, in some oil. Since I'm not using beef or bacon or anything, I like to use a lot more onion than I would if I was just doing like a meat chili. Because you're looking Makes for more. Makes it juicier? More, yeah, and you're looking for more flavor. So I use four cups of onion. So a good amount of onion goes in the pan. You get that going until it just starts to wilt a little bit. And then you add two big butternut squash, so about two pounds of squash, and cut into nice little small chunks. Cook that for a few minutes, and then you add your chili powder, your cumin, your garlic, your onion, and get that all cooking. Now, stirring, stirring, yeah. and just get that cooking. And now, this is where you can just take it and put it in the slow cooker, add your Can't. tomatoes, your beer, your vegetable broth, your white beans, and just throw it all in the slow cooker and let it go. Of course, if I've got to ask, what kind of beer? See, you don't care. Yeah, I don't care, because I've done this with... Because there's like IPAs, know, there's ales. Know, I've done this with so many different types of beer, and it does change the flavor just a teeny bit, but it doesn't make it any better or worse. And then you like to serve with all these garnishes. Yeah, and I think like when he does his chili party in the book, he has that, right? All these little condiment kind of things and the different types of beans to serve alongside the chili. And that makes it fun. I like little chopped up tortilla chips. Or what about just... cornbread? Cornbread's good, too. Yeah, cornbread. And a skillet. Like yeah. Rob, I love this idea of having a meatless chili. It's not that I want to fool people, but I think we all are so used to, as human beings, having the chew of meat that we miss that texture. And so I like that Chris has done this. How about you? That sounds like a great one. We had uh, chili in the book with uh, sweet potatoes. Kenji Lopez-Alt, the food lab guy, has a great suggestion about making vegetarian chilies. He suggests using Marmite which is uh, made of yeast extracts, but it's, as he puts it, packed with glutamates. Yeah. And oh, adding wow. a little Marmite to a vegetarian chili gives it more it's of that great flavor. Yeah. So it's, it's not MSG, though. No, but glutamates is one of the things you get from meat, especially like a, in a chili, you get a lot of it. So that's a great... Honestly, my uh, mouth, it's hanging open. That's that watering, right? I was watering just that thinking about Marmite. That is a genius tip. It's that umami flavor yeah. that it brings back. So Marmite, for those who don't know, is this kind of yeasty stuff in a jar and if you have grown up in britain yeah i was gonna say it's english you right? want this spread <laughs> on your toast which is I mean, too much it, for me and you can get this often in major supermarkets mm. in the international section a right. thin thin layer is the key so we are having a chili party <laughs> right here on the food schmooze party and inviting you to join us all this stuff is online including a feature about rob walsh's excellent book the chili cookbook i have a question about beans can we get that out on the table because it seems sure. to be one of those things with people that are very serious about chili it's either in there or not in there and there's no right gray area here does classic chili have beans is it okay to put bean in chili okay so at el real tex-mex we make hundreds of gallons of chili and we use 
the chili con carne. We thin it with chili gravy to make an enchilada sauce. We serve it over Fritos to make Frito pie. We serve oh, it over yes. tamales. And you can get it in a bowl and you can combine it with beans if you want. But the thing is, I call chili the mother sauce of Tex-Mex. So you don't put beans in a pot of chili when you're running a Tex-Mex restaurant because you have so many other things you have to do with it. Ah, It's exactly analogous to making a big pot of red sauce or red gravy if you're an Italian-American. It's like no spaghetti in the red sauce, okay? You might put the red sauce on some spaghetti later on, but you don't put the spaghetti in the pot. Uh, that's you, a yeah. perfect analogy. That is, makes sense now. So, yeah, because yeah, you're going to use the red gravy to make some lasagna, to make meatball grinders, and, and lots of other stuff. So in Tex-Mex, we don't put beans in the chili because we have so many other things we have to do with it. The other thing that's really interesting about beans and chili is before World War One, nobody put beans in chili. Really, hmm. the yeah, putting beans and other vegetables in the chili was a response to the meat rationing of yeah. world war one and world war two and the first recipe that i've seen for chili with beans and vegetables in it actually came from a, a women's society in massachusetts and they called it mock chili so it was oh. like the mock oh. duck wow because it, the, it had beans in it right right so you guys ruined it for me now <laughs> <laughs> no 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 it's, stressed, this is all the history of food the, the dish with the vegetables so then in World War II, it wasn't just meat rationing. There was meat shortages. You just couldn't get meat. And a lot of the classic chili parlors like Lang's in, in Dallas and many chili parlors closed because they just couldn't get enough beef to, to make the dish. So home cooks who love chili, you know, drew on their victory gardens and they added, you know, tomatoes and beans and celery and what have you. And the result was this one-pot dish that had all these vegetables in it was more nutritious as a standalone one-pot dish, and people just got used to it. They came to prefer it. After the war, the one-pot dish with the vegetables in it became the standard, and it took a whole revival down here in Texas with Frank X. Talbert and all these guys who started the Terralingua Chili Contest. What they were trying to remind America of there was an earlier version of chili that didn't have beans in it. And so they went on this campaign of not putting the beans in the chili. And if you wanted to enter the contest, the chili couldn't have any beans in it and so forth. But here is something I think you're going to think is sinful, Rob. I have for years went to a party on the 4th of July thrown by Michael, a guy from Texas, his chili was so phenomenal. And I said, Michael, you've got to tell me how you make the chili. And he said, the way I really make it is I go to the supermarket and I buy cans of Wolf brand chili. <laughs> in, I mean, this is canned meat in, yep. in some kind of sauce. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's just it, chili. Wolf brand chili is a very, very old brand of canned chili. And... You know, there's people in Texas who love it. I'll tell you what, the oldest chili parlor in America that I visited while I was doing a road trip for this book is next to a chili cannery in Carlinsville, Illinois. It's called the Taylor Mexican Chili Company, and they serve the same chili they put in the cans at this chili parlor, but the place 
first started in in business in 1904 after the St. Louis World's Fair. And they still have commercials here in Texas and their their slogan is when was the last time you had a steaming bowl of wolf brand chili? That's too long. <laughs> oh boy, I, I'll tell you, it was delicious. Whatever Michael does well, to you this, well, just buy some on the mail order on the internet somewhere and see if you can uh, doctor it up to well, taste you can, like this. You can get it here in the supermarket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can hear like a howling coyote <laughs> when you open Maybe the can. Oh. There's a great new product we have here in Texas, it looks like a jar of spaghetti sauce, but it's actually chili mix. And you mm. brown the meat and then pour this bottle on it. It's just like, you know, Paul Newman's ragu sauce or something, you know. Is so, it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. You've got a recipe in your chili cookbook for Pendergrass's grass-fed beef chili. So we're getting at beef that is grass-fed and some people are very particular and they want to make sure that it's also grass finished, meaning that it hasn't been fattened with junk corn at the end because that kind of ruins things and adds to cholesterol, they feel. And so you want grass fed plus grass finished. But anyway, the point is you've got a recipe here for grass fed beef chili. And how is that an advantage? Well, the secret is it's a little bit of a, of a tongue in cheek thing because the original Longhorn cattle that they used to make chili were, of course, grass-fed. Right. But the secret was the meat is so lean that they used a large portion of tallow, of mm. beef fat. Uh-huh. So the secret is to get your grass-fed and grass-finished beef and also pick up some grass-fed and grass-finished beef tallow or suet. At the butcher. Well, wherever you buy your grass-fed beef, certainly when they killed that cow, they had plenty of fat. Tallow was kind of the secret ingredient of old-fashioned chili. When I went to this Taylor Chili Parlor in Carlinsville, Illinois, they were still using suet that's still in the original recipe. In Cincinnati, all of the chili parlors use suet or tallow. That fat gives chili a very distinctive flavor. You know, that's what McDonald's used to fry their French fries yep. in. They haven't yeah. tasted the yeah. same yeah. since. No. That's right. Actually, it's a very flavorful fat, cooking fat. And, you know, we've all, a lot of us have rediscovered cooking with lard and found that it's much lower in bad cholesterol. Makes than, the best pies. And yeah. it's from that time period right yeah yeah i mean if you're open to the idea of using lard in your cooking Mm -hmm. why not tallow i've just started going to the supermarket and asking them for beef fat and they pretty much throw it away so if you'll pay a dollar a pound for it they're pretty happy the other thing i've discovered is i barbecue a lot of brisket and i shave (laughs) the fat off of the brisket down to a a smaller fat cap in (laughs) in order to get a nice bark on it and I've been now rendering the fat that I'm cutting off of the briskets. And in fact, some of us are rendering the fat in the barbecue smoker so you end up with smoked fat. Mm. Yeah. Now, yeah, do you know really how good. when if your cat sits on the windowsill and sees a bird out in the yard and starts <laughs> snapping, faith is sitting <laughs> that's right snapping now. its teeth together, <laughs> that's what I'm doing in my chair <laughs> as I'm listening to this. You have Polly Bergen's chili, and she is a part-time person in Connecticut, in fact, might even be full-time now in Litchfield County. 
And I burst out laughing because you said you grew up with your mom's chili. Right. Only to find out. Yeah, I called up and I said, Mom, I need your chili recipe. And uh, she said, okay, honey, I'll look it up for you. said, I haven't looked at it in years. I just memorized it. So she went to her old recipe card file. And she calls me up and she said, I'm so embarrassed. Turns out that recipe I've been using all these years, I haven't consulted it lately, but it was actually a magazine clipping of Polly Bergen's chili recipe. So In the back my of the- mother had cribbed this Polly Bergen's chili from a magazine years and years ago, probably the 50s. And it had turned into my family chili somehow. That was during the studio period when the studios were issuing. I wonder if this next time we run into Polly Bergen, we have to find out, is this really her chili recipe? Or yeah, is, right. It was it the studio putting there. out? Yeah. I, I just had to Google who Polly Bergen is. She, she was a movie chili. star of the 50s, and she was originally from Tennessee, I believe. Wow. Wonderful. Wow. You know, people of a certain age will remember her, and I remember her. Okay, so Obama family chili is in here. I guess he's a big chili maker. This is his dish, huh? Yeah, it's his one and only. Uh, he says it's the only dish he really makes. He says it's zingy enough for uh, his college days. I don't know. It, it doesn't sound very spicy to me. but So onion and pepper and garlic, olive oil. You can use ground turkey or beef. They seem perpetually healthy in that family, so I, I bet they're using turkey. Ground cumin, ground oregano, ground turmeric, ground basil, chili powder, red wine vinegar, tomatoes, red beans. And I see what you mean. There's nothing showing here that would really grab you in terms of heat. No, it's only one tablespoon of chili powder, which I think two is sort of standard for a pound of meat. Up to three or even four is uh, not unusual. So one is, is pretty light. Okay. Why can't you do any chili in a slow cooker? Well, some chilies uh, like to cook all day and are fine at the end of the process, but some uh, you need to, like, for instance, when you braise short ribs, you need to shred the meat there's intermediate steps that uh, make it impractical for the slow cooker. Berber tagine, for instance, I want to cook it in a tagine. <laughs> yeah, I do too when I was reading that recipe. That brings up this idea that chilies are in various cultures. I just haven't thought of them that way. So the tagine would be one, Middle Eastern. The tagine comes to mind because the influence of the Canary Islands is really strong in San Antonio Tex-Mex because the Spanish brought colonists from the Canary Islands to San Antonio in the 1700s to create more citizenry, really, for the fledgling city of San Antonio. They had missionaries and Indians and soldiers, but they didn't have any citizens. So they recruited people who wanted land in the Canary Islands to come to Texas and become the noblemen, the alcaldes of San Antonio. And they brought with them a Berber profile of spices, uh, including lots of cumin and chilies and these kind of flavors that you find in a tagine. Well, how far back does chili go? Who do we credit with this amazing discovery? I credit Mesoamericans. Because when the Spanish arrived, they found Mesoamericans stewing all different kinds of proteins and vegetables in chili sauces. And in fact, the Franciscan observer Bernardo Sagayun referred to a turkey stewing in chili to something that resembled ceviche. But the one that he remarked on as being the most delicious was lobster cooking in chili sauce. 
So how far awesome. back does wow. that one go, the lobster one? Figure that uh, the Spanish observers were reporting on it in the early 1500s. So uh, how far back does it go in Mesoamerica? Well, we don't know. I and mean, we know when uh, it was re- first reported on. And that okay. was 1529. Wow. Our special guest is Rob Walsh. I came to James Beard's Pot Roast Chili, and I love the idea of this. He started with a beef chuck roast. It's a pot roast recipe. That one and this Tyler Florence short rib chili are a couple of recipes where they depart from the usual. Uh, You sear a whole piece of meat until it's falling apart and then you shred it and chop it mm. and make the sauce now and that's so, chili yeah, <laughs> it's a very it's a lovely there chili you go. i need to know what frito pie is though in texas uh, frito pie is the concession stand favorite if you go to a high school football or baseball game they open up a little individual pack of Fritos and then put in everything on the condiment row, which is chili for the chili pot, <laughs> yeah. cheese, jalapenos, and then they hand you the bag and a fork. That's on the menu at the Ordinary up yeah. the street. It's uh, Timmy Kerbal's place, the Frito you, pie. You yeah. out of the bag. The new craze in San Antonio is Cheeto pie. Mm. <laughs> you stopped facing <laughs> her wow. All the brakes just came on right there. Oh, my teeth are snapping. I'm wagging my tail what I'm doing. All right, please support your local food growers and food makers. On the other side of this very short break, we are going to tell you how to make at home a hickory smoked Manhattan. And we have a great wine to go with chili. For on-demand podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze Party every week, to find our food wine cocktail restaurant hot topics, our short fun streaming videos, and recipes we feature, we are always online at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. The stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. The prairie sky is wide and high, deep in the heart of Texas. The sage and blue is light. One more mouthwatering bite of the food schmooze coming up. Ready? Here's something great to know about. Sign up for the app called NPR One. Just download it from the iPhone App Store or your Android device. And once you do, you can set WNPR as your local station. Couldn't be easier. Download the free app NPR One and start listening. Let's party on. More food schmooze. It's martini time. Yes, it is martini time. This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, and the Hamptons. To hear the show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon. Podcast and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. Talk with us on Facebook, too. Search Faith Middleton for Facebook and also if you're there like us, we'd love to get into a conversation with you. We're having the best time on Facebook. I'm with wine broker Alex Province with Chef Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut and our cocktail guy, our chief contributor on cocktails and that is Anthony Desario. He's a Connecticut bartender and Anthony Robb has made special for this show with you featuring your various chilies and Chris's chili 
he's going to tell us how to make a hickory smoked Manhattan. Right. There's a few ways to go cool. about doing this. This is uh, one of the ways that we do it up at uh, Sticks and Stones at Mohegan. I've just got to throw this out to Ryan Tunnicliffe, who taught me how to do this. There's some professionals out there that have a smoking gun, and we could tell you how to do that. The way we do it... You can it, get those online. You can get those online. Uh, you can get them in cooking stores. What we use is a plank, like a cedar plank or salmon. for salmon. Uh, we use a hickory plank. What I did is I smoked the glass here first because I didn't want to do it in the studio because it does create a lot of smoke. Aww. So if you are, how, well, if you are going to do this at home, I always say do it over your range top stove with, your, uh, hood with, with the hood going outside. and always keep some water nearby. The planks, they won't burn, but it is fire, so just have a little water ready next to it. And, and what, what are you doing with the plank? All you do is you take the plank and you have your glass ready or your glasses if you're serving uh, multiple friends. And uh, you get just a, like a propane torch or a butane torch, like a camping torch, and you just slowly kind of rotate it on top of the plank that's lit. And once you see that smoke coming, turn your glass upside down over the smoke, just like you're putting the fire out, even though the fire's not there and it's just smoking. So now that smoke is going to coat the inside of the glass with the flavor. Oh. So in this case, it's a hickory smoked glass. And then we're just going to make our Manhattan. Using... In that glass. Yes. And by the way, this recipe is posted online. Rob, you're following this so far, right? Um, yeah, this plank won't stay lit, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want it to stay lit too long. We're just I'm gonna... just going to give up and put it outside in the barbecue smoker. You can, you can actually, you can do that as well. Put the that is one the of the ways. You can put your glasses in the smoker, maybe pour the rye out, put that in your smoker if it's in like a, a heat-safe container. There was another way that you said you can infuse one of the liquors in this cocktail with hickory chips? Yes, you could use uh, just regular hickory chips or if you can get sticks. If you have a large enough container, just like you were steeping tea, you take hickory chips or you know, a lot of people that make their own wine at home and they want to add some oak, just get hickory and put that into your spirit of choice. To this case, we're using rye. Let it steep overnight or to taste, and then strain that out through a fine mesh strainer back into your bottle, and you have a hickory-infused spirit. So that's another way to so do that's it. that's another okay. way to do that. So I actually did that with this rye just for today, too. So we did a little extra. Mm. And you can do the smoking ahead of time, right? Oh, and yeah. The smoke will stay in the glass, right? Uh, you absolutely. Can, you can do that the day before, sure. right? Do well, you too. use bourbon in any of your Manhattans, and why did you yeah. choose rye? Well, I chose rye today because we said that we were going to be doing chili. Rye is more spicy forward so mm. i really wanted to play with those peppery notes that come out of rye a little warmth to yeah, it moves. so when you said we were doing a chili show i just looked at our menu and i went that's going that's right the there one. that's the one all right uh, so, so we're just gonna do a classic manhattan we have our mixing glass you're putting which spirit into your shot right now here? i'm pouring two ounces of overproof rye so 100 proof rye whiskey Hundred proof. Hundred proof. Wow. The higher the proof, the more flavor you get out of the barrel. So it's actually, believe it or not, higher proof is actually smoother. Now Anthony is just going to the vermouth, and he taught me something in preparation for this show that the vermouth he's using is widely available. It is everywhere, and it is most gorgeous. of us walk by it. Yes. And we get another familiar one, you know, like Martini, Rossi, or something. This is the one to get. The this, one we walk by. It comes in a bottle a or a can. Yeah, yeah it's called and, the Carpene Antica mm. uh, formula. Carpene Antica. It's an Italian sweet vermouth. So it's a uh -huh. still fortified wine, and it's pretty much the original. Is it expensive? It's not that expensive. Is I mean, it more it's, expensive it's, than the? It's more yeah. expensive than the others, but it's <laughs> so definitely good. worth the so worth good. the extra effort. If you're at home and you don't make a lot of Manhattans or you don't use a lot of sweet vermouths, just get the smaller bottle. 
and then keep it in the refrigerator. You're going to get more length out of it. I mean, because it is fortified wine. It's wine. I'll so, tell you what. If you pour a, a shot of that over ice and add a little soda, that bottle won't last very long because that stuff ex- is delicious. You're exactly right. Delicious. And that's exactly, it is, it's, it's like a bitter cola syrup. You it's can just wonderful. drink it over straight. ice cream. Well, I'll make over ice cream. It makes it beautiful Negroni as well. Ooh, um, did you just say over ice cream? Alex, that oh, is yeah. a great idea. So in the shaker, the rye sweet vermouth is in there. And then and- I have everybody's favorite, what do I do with this? bottle Angostura bitters. That's your salt and pepper of all your cocktails. <laughs> and, that, and that's another one that lasts forever. In your so yes. about three shakes yeah, of about, that. I do about, I like mine to have a little extra bitters because I like that spice and especially with the chili, oh, I wanted yeah. to add some more spice. Just to reveal the uh, the end result, we had this when we were having with the chili. chili earlier in the studio and it is the most amazing thing all by itself, whether you're having chili or not. I could see this with steak, roast. I love Manhattan's. And so too. this yeah. was unbelievable. So we're going to add our ice to okay. our mixing glass. Into the glass. Do number you shake one, this? Number one rule is sacrilegious to shake a Manhattan. You have all of these beautiful spirits in here. And when you shake with your ice, your ice is going to dilute 25% or more. And you're just going to add a lot of air and a lot more water. And you're going to dilute all these tremendous flavors. With scotch, people add water. And some say that that releases aromatics. And that's not true for bourbon or for rye. Uh, it, it will do that as well. But we're also adding other liquids. So uh, uh-huh. we are adding that little drop of water. And when people do scotch, it's usually like a teardrop of water. Uh-huh. I love that and sound. it's just enough. So as my okay. friend Duchenne Zarek says, you know, stir your drink until it feels right. <laughs> okay. Stirred, not Shaken. Stirred, not shaken. Okay, here we go. Into the martini glass. It's like a beautiful it mahogany. Goes. So we're just going to pass this right over to Faith. Oh, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what we do. So oh. it, it is a fantastic drink. You say you use real cherries. I use the real maraschino cherries. The way we serve it up at Sticks and Stones is <laughs> with an good. is with an orange zest. Ridiculously good, Rob. We have to think of this as virtual tasting. I wish I had sent you this recipe. I even have the vermouth too. So. Oh, <laughs> see, now I said it was readily available. Oh, we're going to give you a wine too that goes with chili, and surprisingly, it is a white. It's not a red, and we'll explain all about that. Uh, first, I want to say to you, Rob, there's a beautiful cornbread recipe in here, and all kinds of things, and you are fantastic as a guest. Thank you so much. I hope you'll join us again. We're going to come back to this subject, and you're the guy. Well, uh, it's been great being here. Thank you, Rob. So that is on Skype, Rob Walsh, and he is co-owner of El Real Tex-Mex Cafe in Houston, if you are there. His book is The Chili Cookbook. Anthony's cocktail, Anthony DeSario, is online at foodschmooze.org. Anthony, this is, I think, really the best Manhattan I've ever had, and I do try them all around. I I love a good Manhattan. Fabulous job. Thank you. All right. Anthony DeSario, our cocktail guy, Connecticut bartender. He's at Sticks and Stones at Mohegan Sun. Okay. We have Alex Province, who is one of our wine guys and is a wine broker. He and Mark Raymond will bring in various wines for us to try, and then we give it our stamp of approval. Vouvray is a wine from France, and it is white and normally super fruit-forward. This one is a little bit drier, uh, less on the fruit-forward side. It's a beautiful thing just to drink by itself. 
So, Alex, tell us why you recommended this for a tomato-based chili. When I pair wines with spicy foods, I'm always thinking of, like, what makes barbecue sauce? It's acidity, it's a sweetness, a sugar, and then a spice. So, thinking of chili, there's a huge spice component. Wine that has acidity and a bit of residual sugar sort of plays off that barbecue sauce trilogy, the three things. So and It did. When we were yeah, taking it, that was it, amazing. Really it was really great. And I wasn't expecting that because I never think wine and chili. You I always think beer. So we have the label photographed for you, yeah. that, and you can just take it to your wine store or read it to them before this. you go. Yeah. It's and a beautiful French label, but unfortunately it's it's French, so it's a vigno chivre. And it's yeah. uh, this is so, why we took a picture of it. So it's not easy to pronounce, but the region's Vouvray, and then the grape is Chenin Blanc, which is sort of like a Chardonnay. It's not oaky, but it's nice and crisp. Right? Yeah, it, it has, has a nice fruitiness to, it, to yeah. it. And the best part is when you swirl it around in your mouth, there's some viscosity to it. It's not thin like water. It's more like half and half or something. And it's you need full that body. chili, right? Yeah. You need something that's more structured. Right? Yeah, especially if you're going to just... do a, a white because, you know, it's sort of counterintuitive. You were thinking red. Yeah. So was half. I. But you could also do like an Alsatian style wine or German, you know, yeah, Riesling. A Gruner. Yeah. You could do yeah, an Austrian Gruner. This one um, is drier, but it still works really well. And that kind of makes sense because you drink uh, whites like this with Chinese food and spice, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So, Indian. I mean, yeah. We think beer, and there's yeah. beer in your chili, Chris, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is sure. phenomenal. So we think beer with chili, yeah. and it is a very malty, nice pairing. Yeah. But the wine and this cocktail, these were terrific. The cocktail was amazing uh, with the chili. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. It Smokiness. really is amazing. I would just, yeah. and, you know, and for any reason, squash, just about any food, home run. I would have that cocktail. Yeah. So I'm trying to think, do you start off with a cocktail yes. and then lead that into the chili and then pick up with a Vouvray and then go into Sounds, yeah, <laughs> back to the cocktail? Even, we're, we're right yeah. back to the chili party now. I'll it's, even yeah. throw one more. Take a little rye or bourbon. And before you add the beer oh. to the chili, just add a little splash of bourbon like to the chili. Like flambe? Seriously? Yeah, just a teeny bit, not much, a shot or so. Before and the beer? Before the beer, and just flambe it and get the alcohol out. Have flambe that it? So Put it in the pan. You don't want us to light it. No, no, no. You just If the pan's hot enough, it'll light by itself. Yeah, I like lighting mm-hmm. it. You can light it, too. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we'll so, have fire everywhere. But- Yes. Well, well since, he's he's smoking, he's, see, and... that's the thing. That, I just thought about it in the flambe because he's smoking the board. And the flames will yeah, go out just... by themselves oh, yeah, yeah, also? Yeah, yeah. It's only okay. a shot. It's tiny. So I'm thinking taking mm-hmm. the, the hickory plank and then taking a little hatchet and turning them into strips. Sure. That way you don't have a huge board. Right. And then you can almost light it and then blow it out, and then you have the smoke yeah, coming out. Yeah, you can out. do you that, can too. Sure. Right almost, like right? almost like a hickory match, if you will. Yeah. I want to thank our senior producer, Robin Doyen Aiken, and to all of you, Alex Province, Chris Brasferi, and Anthony Desario, for being with us and having so much fun as you always do. I consider myself a very lucky person to be doing anything with this crowd of talented people. We love having conversation with you on Facebook. If you're there and you're chatting with us, sometimes we're asking questions to kind of get the crowd response to things. It's like a little yeah. test of where are people on this sometimes we debate these things in our studio and then we say let's ask the crowd yeah yeah but we try not to waste your time we really want to know what you're thinking about these things and other times we're just sharing our experiences and want you to know about all these talented people that are around us and thanks to the internet 
even people far away are close to us. So our job is to curate on your behalf. That's what we do. So you can find us at Faith Middleton Fuchmoos on Facebook. Thank you all so much. It has been so fun to have a chili party with you. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon, weekdays. Here are my 60-second food schmoozes. Join the conversation with us. We're always up for a good time online at foodschmooze.org. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. This is the place to have a good time, so please come back. We also love talking with you online, offering our curated take on the richness of life, plus our free podcast. We're always open at foodschmooze.org. I'm Faith Middleton. Cheers.